0: And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, producer Annabelle Lee, too. Hello. <laughs> Coming up on today's show: Dolly Alderton's Everything I Know About Love debuts. So, how did we find one of the year's most hyped-up shows? Plus, we need to talk about Liam Payne again. Then the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial comes to an end. Rumours that Tammy Hembrow and her fiancé Matt Poole have split circulate days away from the birth of their child. And then, guys, we go back to the questions in a glass jar and answer whatever the hell Annabelle
1: Lee picks out for us. But first, Zara, how was your week? Yeah, it was a pretty good week. It was not too bad. I had this thing happen late last week. Where you know how we were talking about sort of the run of the mill middle rung sort of embarrassing
2: (laughs) (laughs) moments. I know what you are going to
1: say. Was Was this when I was sick on Friday? You (gasps) weren't here, and I we were at a cafe, and I was like squeezing between two tables trying to get in out of my spot. Why were you guys at a cafe when I was off sick? That's that's cool. cool. We were celebrating. (laughs) Michelle, (laughs) celebrate! And I was trying to squeeze out of the table, like between two tables, and there were two guys, two old guys sitting on a table and I am catching Annabelle's eye as I'm like slowly trying to move yes. through. I wasn't going quickly. I was trying to really slowly go through And I look at Annabelle with fear in my eyes being like, I'm not getting out of here on skates. And Can I did I have it. I a question before you keep yeah. going? Just so I'm clear. So you are trying to
0: squeeze past them. They're like adjacent to you.
1: Correct. I'm trying to get out of my boothy seat. <laughs> and I obviously knock over a whole bottle of water onto oh. one of the guys, which is fine. Like it happens. <laughs> onto one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like onto his pants, like the whole bottle of water collapses oh onto god. his pants and i think oh, you know what could have been coffee yeah it, was, it could it, have been worse and it's also one of those funny things where you just sort of you run and you get your serviettes and then you give them back to them and then you think i simply have to leave you with <laughs> <pizza."> <laughs> like unfortunately not my issue <laughs> anyway as we're walking out annabelle lee turns to me and goes god are you okay? You must be mortified. <laughs> I'd be mortified if I was you. And as soon as I said it, I was like, shouldn't have said that. I said, are you okay? You can't be saying that. It was like the other day. I tripped up the stairs. I was carrying three coffees. I tripped up the stairs at the commons. I couldn't be fucked telling you this either. And there's not many people around. So mm. clearly the people that are around have to ignore it. A guy runs over to me and goes, oh. God, that was loud. You no. all right? Oh. And I said, again, what is with etiquette? When People do dumb things. You need someone, sorry, Annabelle.
0: No, you really handled this the wrong way. You <laughs> need someone who looks at you and goes, I've done the exact same thing. Or
1: that is so me. Oh. I would have done exactly that. Thank God, it was water, not coffee. No stress. Yeah. It should be banned for someone to say, A, oh, huge fall. Or B, oh, I'd be
0: mortified if I was you. But also, that was loud. I feel like when you fall, the noise is probably the most embarrassing mm. part of the whole thing. So if you can like not comment on the noise that would be great. Another great comment to make is you handled that really well. Okay, oh.
2: that's why I think I reacted the way I did because I was so proud of you with oh. the way you reacted. <laughs> you were not awkward but you were kind to these men that you spilled water all over. Well, I ha- you have to be kind. I'm not, I'm not walking away <laughs> saying have a good day guys. I, and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking I would have like cried if, oh I, my had, you God. Know, if I was you. You're still vaping <laughs> bad.
1: Anyway, so that's my week. I do have (laughs) two recommendations. I actually have a bunch, so I'll just try to litter them throughout the episode and squeeze them into parts that work, but I'll give you two now because I feel like I've consumed some good stuff this week. Now, as we know, it was the platinum jubbly. Yes, Mm. it was the platinum jubbly or as people on Twitter are calling it the platy jubbs, which I don't mind. I don't mind it either. (laughs) Jubbs, are cute. (laughs) Yeah, jubbs like boobs. (laughs) And there was some wonderful footage that came out of those festivities. I mean, Prince Louis going wild is one of them, but what it did (laughs) is it prompted a lot of people to look back on you know big royal events and One newsletter that I'm subscribed to is by Jo Elvin, who used to be the editor-in-chief of Glamour over in the UK. She's actually Australian. And she wrote a column called How to Wang On About a Royal Wedding and she wrote this entire piece about how when Harry and Meghan got married, she somehow found her way into the BBC coverage and what that was like behind the scenes for the people that worked 24 hours a day over three to four days for this royal wedding. And I'd never read this perspective of how – how much was on the line for these people? Oh, I love that. And she was tasked with being the fashion commentator. So she was trying madly the days leading up to the wedding to work out who had designed Megan's dress and what she was going to be wearing. And yeah. she basically was just tasked with speculating for three days and then trying to work out straight away as she stepped out who the designer was. It's It was a great piece. I love doing this job, but that is my dream job. <laughs> incredibly stressful though. The way she described it, I was like, oh, that sounds incredibly stressful. So That's a really good read. I mean, I know royal content is not for everyone. I know the Platinum Jubilee is not for everyone. I also know royal weddings is not for everyone. It is for me. (laughs) I also, on fashion
0: and royals, I loved what a lot of people wore to the platy tubes. I thought Meghan Markle looked great and I thought
1: Kate Middleton looked great. They both looked ravishing. Absolutely. My second very quick recommendation now... I honestly think every single person listening to this should listen to this podcast episode. It is an episode of The Imperfects with Dr. Emily. The title of the episode is Truth Versus Harmony. Now, I thought over the years that I was getting pretty good at setting my boundaries, telling people what I needed and listening to this even I found confronting. So dare I say the both of you are in deep trouble. Oh, no, because you said boundaries is the theme of the year and I it thought is. that's what we've been doing the whole year. I thought we've been getting way better at it. What right? are we doing wrong? No, it's nothing. It's not about right or wrong. i stressed already. I was talking to a friend about this and she was like, it is confronting, but it's also very freeing listening to this episode. Now, very quickly, the concept of truth versus harmony is this idea that let's say you have a relationship where there are some issues that you wanna raise. We all have stuff we wanna raise in our relationships. You have two options. You can tell the truth or you can pick harmony, which is, I don't wanna rock the boat. Mm. And that's what a lot of us do all the time. And Dr. Emily says- Annabelle's (laughs) furiously (laughs) nodding over and I were looking
2: at each other like, we do (laughs) (laughs) that.
1: We all do a bit.
2: You guys do it a bit more.
1: And she said the issue with picking harmony is eventually, as time goes on, you lose out on both truth and harmony because you end up resenting people. And it reminded me a lot of that very famous Brené Brown quote that I keep rattling out all the time where she said the most compassionate people are the ones that are able to set boundaries because they don't end up resenting people, right?
0: You're a boundary whore. You love boundaries. I'm trying to. (laughs) But
1: listening to this, I was like, oh, I do that, I do that, I do that. So I really recommend this, even for people who don't even consider themselves people pleasers, there is absolutely absolutely stuff in here that you will learn from. Because I feel like our other motto for this year is don't be a martyr. Like yes. No martyrs. Yep. We say that in the office all the time. Don't you dare martyr about this. And there's a huge theme about that in there too. Sounds very aggressive. Don't you
0: dare. <laughs> no martyring.
1: <laughs> to clarify, is the doctor's name just Dr.
0: Emily? Does she have a surname? I don't know what her surname is. What a badass thing to be. Just yeah. Dr. Cool. Emily. They just call her
1: Dr. It's like Emily. like Beyonce. Yes, <laughs> it is. A doctor in the psychological <laughs> world. I honestly couldn't recommend it more. Those guys are doing such incredible work on that podcast. I know we say that so often, but it's really, really good. So link in show notes. How are you? How was your week? You recovered! I've
0: recovered. Look, for the listeners who last tuned in on Thursday last week, nothing much has happened in my life. I spent five days in bed and I was like catatonic by the end of it. I was so depressed because I'd just been inside. It's been miserable. It's been grey. I hadn't even really walked around. I got up to pee and then just basically had Mitch bring me teas and food to bed. But I'm recovering. I realized I've got a couple of things that I did kind of have happened throughout the week. Just realising things. Just (laughs) realising things. One was I ended up in the weirdest parts of TikTok. I want to know how you guys would characterise your TikTok right now because I was sitting there for five days in a row just watching whatever video TikTok would give me. I've ended up on how to deal with a high school breakup TikTok. Like a lot of breakup tips from 16-year-olds. And I've ended up on baby name doula TikTok where there's a professional woman who
1: gets paid to pick
0: your future baby name.
1: That's not bad. I found myself onto sheep shearing TikTok. Oh, what? Which is... Well, I had, yeah, I had a couple of those last night and I hit like, like, give me more of this. Yes,
0: an underrated one is street paint TikTok. Have you guys seen them?
1: It's the people who draw the lines on the roads and shit. That is mesmerizing. I've never seen that, but I do have one more for you because <laughs> considering we're playing TikTok algorithm tennis. What about the hooves on horses
2: when they get cleaned? Wow, a lot of far <laughs> things for you. Nobody else? Are you guys like speaking another language to me. I'm like, what are you talking What do you about? get, Annabelle? I get like snippets of stand-up and also like eating videos. Oh, wow, okay, so. <laughs> quite, quite yeah. normal commercial
0: night. <laughs> anyway so I ended up there. I also of course listened to our apology on Carl and Jackie O. I don't know if you guys heard it. Uh, it was an interesting apology as far as apologies go but we got it. So thank you for the extra minutes on the biggest radio show in the world Carl and Jackie O. Yeah we will
1: take any publicity <laughs> is good publicity they
0: say. I do have a recommendation. It's not groundbreaking. I think everyone will know when you're quite sick you can't watch or take in anything profound i found myself re-watching things that i've loved in the past you and i have gotten on this show zara and recommended modern love on amazon prime more than a couple of times we really love this if you're not familiar it's essentially a series of short stories each episode is a completely contained love story and they're all based on love columns published in the new york times This particular episode is one of my favourites. I've never spoken about it on Shameless. It is Anne Hathaway's episode called Take Me As I Am, Whoever I Am. I don't know how I've never recommended this because it is 10 out of 10. I was reading an article about it where a critic ranked all of the Modern Love episodes over the two seasons and they put this as their number one best episode as well. I've seen it. I've got to warn you, Zara. It does have musical elements, which is not a you or me thing whatsoever, right? It's not but it fits the brief for what the topic is and it's very fucking good. I fucking love Anne Hathaway. I could watch
1: it a million times over. Yeah, it's almost like we've uh, inspired to deep dive Anne Hathaway <laughs> at the moment and you're wanting to consume anything Anne Hathaway related. No, I definitely want to watch that. Some of the Modern Love episodes are some of my favourite TV of all time, so I don't know how I've missed that. I it also makes it. me cry every time I watch it. Oh, every time. Just beautiful. Oh, <laughs> One quick announcement before we jump into our first segment, and that is thank you so much to everybody who went on and pre-ordered our – charity merch. We have now raised over $20,000 for the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre. An amazing stat for everybody and thank you so much for supporting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, the jumpers are done for another year. We know some of you are still disappointed. We cannot create jumpers that don't exist out in the world. So thank you for everyone who bought one. There are going to be thousands of people wearing these charity merch jumpers out on the street. So hopefully
1: we bump into you and see them. I want to see one out in the wild. I know. Mish, let's jump into our first segment of the show. I'm quite excited to speak about Because everything I know about love debuted on Stan and the BBC this week. And I've got to say, it's been one of the most hyped television shows of this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like 20 something TV dramas are having a massive moment right now. I mean, obviously, we're coming off the huge success of Normal People. I didn't realise in 2020, Normal People was the BBC's most watched show across any genre, which I, I mean, I loved it. I lapped it up. I know all of my friends and my siblings did as well. But I didn't realise it was their biggest full stop of that year. Earlier this year, we also had Conversations with Friends, another Sally Rooney TV adaptation. And now we've got Everything I Know About Love. So I feel like 20-something angst and TV dramas about almost that like university or post-university experience are super of the moment.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it came out yesterday in Australia and we promise you there will not be any spoilers or anything in here I mean it's pretty hard to spoil the first episode anyway because it's basically just setting up the characters and their dynamics and a lot of that is in the trailer so you can listen to this if you haven't actually watched the show but if you aren't really across what's going on here the TV show is of course based off the best-selling memoir from writer and podcaster Dolly Alderton who did once host The Hilo. Now everything I know about Love, her memoir, has solved Sold over five hundred thousand copies just in the UK and we're in Australia and it's pretty big here. So shudder to think how much it's sold here as well. Now, the book itself was just hugely talked about. I think people that read it, at least anecdotally, and I'd love to know if you guys agree with this, fell into two camps. People either loved it and found this really spoke to their experience in their twenties, or people enjoyed it as a read, but found some of the stories pretty frustrating and self-indulgent. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think
0: that's pretty fair. I mean, have each of us read this? We've all read this book, right? I Mm. inhaled it. I think I read this in like 24 hours Mm. back in, it would have been like 2018, 2019, I think, right when it first came out. Now, I was a little nervous about this because it's obviously a nonfiction memoir that is being dramatized into a fictional drama series for TV. And I feel like the stakes were incredibly high as well, Zara, because so many people have bought into this. They really loved the memoir. So trying to kind of imagine it for TV was difficult.
1: Yeah. And I also feel like it's a little different to maybe the Sally Rooney adaptations because Dolly's fingerprints are all over this I mean you watch the show it's like created and written by Dolly Alderton she wrote the screenplay she's very much been front and center of how they're selling this to the public as well so I agree with you I was nervous because I wanted it to be great I love her work and you know when you feel like you just desperately want it to work from the sidelines and I have to say I think it really did work yeah like I was impressed and I feel like in the last couple of months, I've been struggling to concentrate on things. I haven't been great at reading our book club books, even even television shows that I'm sitting in front of. I'm sitting on my phone. I'm really struggling to engage. This was the first show in a little while where I was just all in.
0: Yeah, I feel like I was all in as well. And despite the stakes being high and despite my expectations being so great, I still really bloody loved the first episode. Yeah. Like I feel like the difficulty with these kinds of shows, and I wonder what Dolly would say to this, I feel like they have to prove themselves so much more than just your average show, right? Like – Our expectations of this stuff is just so astronomically high. I found that the feedback for Conversations with Friends, the TV show, was super critical and super harsh on TikTok and didn't really align with my experience of that show. Like, I adored Conversations with Friends, but I feel like because it's now popular before it's even out, because people are already loving it before it's even out, there's that incentive to be that dissenting voice that goes, not that fucking good yeah doesn't live up to the hype like I don't think it's as special as what it was supposed to be whereas if you're just a fresh show coming into the world there's that sense of like I don't know. The bar's lower. The bar's lower, but also that sense of freshness where people are like, oh, well, everything's a surprise. With this stuff, with TV adaptations, it's like, why did they pick this actress for this character? Why didn't they include this scene? Why was this line read this particular way? Like, we're so fucking critical. And so I'm going to be really curious to watch How people receive this because truthfully, I think it's really strong, but I know there's such an incentive to say the opposite.
1: I agree with you, and I would be surprised if we didn't see that on the internet. Now, one thing regarding the actual show itself that I have spent a good deal of time thinking about is the main character, or one of the main characters, is called Maggie. And Maggie very much seems to be based off Dolly. If you've read Dolly's Mm. memoir, you'd say, yeah, that's the closest thing to Dolly. And Maggie's a hard character to watch, right? She's kind of annoying and she's kind of selfish and she's kind of a toxic friend in some circumstances. And Dolly must know that. She wrote the screenplay to this television show. She'd have to know that the pull and the allure of this character is in the fact she's hard to watch, but that's why I want to keep going. Yeah. Like she is the pull for me to keep going, even though I don't love her. And I I wonder what that would be like writing a show, writing this character, knowing people are going to draw parallels between you and this character, but then also knowing that people are probably not going to like them because that's how you're designing it.
0: I think she can only do it because there's 10 years or like eight years or something between the Maggie we're seeing on screen and maybe Dolly's experiences at that time, right? Like she's got that distance. She can kind of put that barrier between herself. It'd be still really hard to do though, but I agree with you. Maggie and that character is like the madness and the magic of this show.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing I was thinking about is it's obviously set on these two characters who are worlds apart, right? They are completely different personalities and they are best friends, like have been best friends their entire life. And I do genuinely wonder, and maybe this is one for Your Say Friday, but I am a bit skeptical of the friendships where people say they're worlds apart but are as close as sisters because I do feel like friendships that are that close do need a little bit more in common. What do you think?
0: Well, it's interesting because the two best friends in this show, one of them is like a hard partier, constantly spending every cent she has, like a chain smoker, probably drinks a little too much, enjoys doing drugs. The other best friend has never touched a drug in her life, is very responsible, kind of like very conventional, I guess, even as a young woman. I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking about my own friendships and that's not how it has panned out for me at all. I feel like my friends and I, although we're gradients or like shades of gray of each other, we're more on the same page. I feel like when you're in your early twenties and you disagree that kind of distinctly with your friends, that's what causes a lot of friendships to splinter.
1: Yes. And I know that then perhaps people listening to this will be like, well, maybe that's actually the whole crux of this television show. But I I do just want to know, do people have best friends that they would consider like siblings and be that polar opposite? Because I would hazard a guess that it's not the most realistic portrayal of friendship, but it's hardly a gripe because I liked the show.
0: Yeah, I do have one small gripe with the show and it is small. I did really enjoy this. I'll be watching the entire thing. I want people to know, but I'd be curious from our listeners after they watch this, if they raised an eyebrow at one particular exchange, it was only a very quick thing. But basically Maggie walks into a room after meeting a guy and one of her friends, this is set in 2012, by the way, in 2012, one of the girls in the group turns to her and goes, Oh, I'm going to send you his birth chart. I want to send you his like astrological information in his birth chart. And she goes, amazing. Thanks. I love that exchange. If it was in 2022, cause that would fucking happen. Like that happens in this
3: office yeah. all the time. <laughs> we
0: talk about birth charts and all that kind of stuff. Do I buy that that happened in 2012 where someone said, I'm going to do his birth chart? She went, yeah, cool. Thanks. Instead of like, what's a birth chart? How do we do that? Is that even available online? (laughs) Little things like that. I was thinking as I watched, would this have been a a slightly even stronger product to just ground it in 2022 and just have current pop culture references Mm. and current ties to real day life, TikTok, whatever instead of saying it's in 2012, but feeling like it has a very distinct 2022 influence?
1: It's really interesting because I have a couple of thoughts on that. The first is, I only really learned properly about star signs in the last couple of years, but I don't know if I've always been behind the eight ball. Like perhaps there have always been pockets of women who have talked like this. So maybe people can let us know that, but I do agree with you. It actually comes up again in the second episode as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, see, the thing is, I recently listened to an interview with an astrologer who
0: said, birth charts and kind of star signs have only become mainstream and popular amongst a
1: majority of young women in the last three to four years. So I think since listening to that and then watching this show, I'm like, wait a minute. Well, I'd love to hear from people who are talking about it then. The second thing though is I disagree with you. I think this is much better set in 2012 because even though it was only 10 years ago, there is an element of nostalgia about it. And I think if it was set in 2022 when they were talking about TikTok and Instagram like in Emily in Paris, there's no way to do that, I don't think, without it seeming cringe. That's fair. I think it always seems – I heard when people try to set something in 2022, they then have to mention COVID.
0: And we <laughs> just like, shut
2: the fuck up. You know what? You've convinced
0: me that I'm wrong. If we just removed the birth chart mention, I think I would give this a 10 out of 10. We are so curious to hear what you guys think of this show. There have been some scenes. I'll say there is one topless slash kind of naked scene that I loved and you did not love Zara you thought it was forced I thought it was a bit forced but it's hardly again hardly the end of the world I'm not here to nitpick well I'm curious to hear what the listeners think watch it come to us share all your thoughts I think this will be one of the biggest shows of the year
1: Coming up after the break, Liam Payne apologises for that interview. Johnny Depp wins his defamation case against Amber Heard. Shakira ends her 11-year-long relationship after cheating rumours and then questions in a glass jar. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring bringing the top five stories from the rough and tumble of celebrity and pop culture news cycle. She's a pro. Michelle. Hello backy back <laughs> andrews what have you got for me my first story liam
0: payne apologizes for his comments about zayn malik that is from esquire <laughs> and of fucking course we need to talk about this again you guys for context last week when we put liam payne in the episode We squeezed him in at like the 11th hour, right? Like we hopped back into the studio to record a segment about Liam Payne because the interview had just started making headlines. And the initial headlines were all about his comments on Zayn Malik. What we didn't realise is how much other wild shit he said
1: in that chat. It was a treasure trove. It was a treasure trove of narcissism. Now... We need to give a quick refresher, perhaps for those who might have missed last week's episode. But basically Liam Payne got on Logan Paul's podcast and said that, and I quote, there are many reasons why I dislike Zayn and there are many reasons why I'll always, always be on his side. Another one of his comments was about <laughs> hands. He said, there was one moment where there was an argument backstage and one member of the band in particular threw me up a wall. So I said to him, if you don't remove those hands, there's a high likelihood you'll never use them again.
0: <laughs> I love on TikTok, people have been playing that snippet of the chat over clips of Liam Payne while he was in the band, like doing his dance. <laughs> it's like, ooh, scary boy. <laughs> now, in response to the backlash, of which there was heaps, people went wild over this Liam had to respond and he tweeted out this guys I wouldn't normally comment on this stuff but when it's your family it's hard to let slide they mentioned a specific incident involving Zane which I responded to but listening back maybe I didn't articulate myself as well as I could have I was saying that there will always be things we disagree on but that I will always always be on his side that's family, Zayn is my brother and I will stand by him forever.
1: Like we said this last week, for a guy who's been in the public eye for, what, 15 years, it is remarkable to me that he is not better media trained in having these conversations because, yes, it did come out pretty badly. Of course, those weren't the only things that Liam said in the podcast that people rolled their <laughs> eyes about. I mean, at one point he referred to himself as a certified rock star and then he said this.
3: And from what I've heard is that, like, Part of the reason One Direction was made was because of Simon's promise to me that in two years, I'll make this work for you. Wow. So he kind of started with my face and then worked around the the rest. I've never told that story before. You you were the inception. I was the honorary member of One Direction, yes. And he told me that story himself in his house.
0: I die for that comment of, I've never told that story before. Like, let me just sneak
1: that in. There is so much to unpack. Also, the very end line where he says, "Uh, he actually told me that in his house. (laughs) Like, that is the beauty of Liam Payne, is that every single word is beautiful. It's all beautiful. So He thinks so highly of himself like
0: even that thing you mentioned before to call himself a certified rock star find me a human under the sun who calls one direction a rock band
1: (laughs) what about the other quote about him outselling his bandmates because we desperately need to play that for the listeners here it
3: is so I came out the band and my dad called me oh yeah here we go you're gonna go solo it's been his dream since I was a kid his dream Hmm. and I said I'll only do it if the right song comes along otherwise I'm not bothered I don't want to tarnish the legacy i have already i've done something that's already worldwide famous and i've got fucking gold records for i said i don't need to do this it's not important to me ed sheeran wrote me this song and i thought oh shit oh no <laughs> here we bloody well go again uh, here we go no. boys put your shorts up off we pop and um yeah we did the first song billion streams i think it outsold ev- everybody within the band and i was the last to go oh, and i never God. expected that
0: Billion Street. Here we go, boys. What was the song?
2: What was the song um, Strip That Down. Oh, yeah. It actually, on.
0: it did okay. My favourite thing about that song, though, Strip That Down, it's not surprising Ed Sheeran wrote it. I thought Ed Sheeran was singing it. That's what a lot of people said. If you guys are wondering what it is, it goes like, Strip That Down for me.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> we don't sing on this show. It's a rule that we're sticking to, we promise. But I didn't know that was Liam Payne and also – He did not outsell other members of the band, Zara.
1: Well, he might be trying to get people on a technicality in that at that time he was doing better in some random measurement but like to lack the self-awareness when you've got Harry Styles just coming off Coachella and the release of Harry's house like is just hilarious I feel like I've memorized that quote word for word because it does remind me I posted a TikTok on my Instagram story of the comparison between that quote and David Brent from The Office I don't know if you guys have seen The UK Office but you hear that quote and it actually the minute you start thinking about David Brent it's him it's him now
0: If we want to talk facts, six other songs by former bandmates, most of them sung by Harry Styles, have outperformed Strip That Down. So he's not even
1: close to being number one. He's number seven. I also think (laughs) Logan Paul must have known. Oh, he must have known because he was amping him up, particularly when he was saying that Simon, you know, started the band around him. They're like, oh, my God. I honestly reckon they knew the magic that they were sitting on. Now, we need to talk as well about Lizzo's response to all of this, which we posted (laughs) on Instagram this week. She said on a TikTok live, I don't know who lied to that poor boy, but he was not (laughs) the front man. Poor boy is incredible.
0: Poor little Liam. (laughs) an epic way to handle it. All of this really made me think a lot as well about how much one podcast interview you can make or break a celebrity's reputation. I know we spoke about this briefly when it was Molly Mae Haig's 24 hours in a day comment, but this really drove it home. If you get onto a podcast and you're not being self-aware, people will you Like, they will come for you, particularly now that we're having videos shared right across TikTok.
1: Yeah, and if you do want a better One Direction members interview, <laughs> my actual third recommendation oh my God. is Harry Styles' interview for Apple TV with Zayn Lowe. I don't know if you guys have seen mm, any it of it. It is a great chat. It's a long one. It goes for well over an hour. But some of – Harry just comes across incredibly self-aware, which is what's lacking in this interview, and pretty humble. Like, he was quoting this Michaela Cole line of – him having to learn that visibility is not the same as success that he he can't be everywhere all the time and he can't confuse that for being successful so i would recommend that instead good job sneaking that
0: in Thank very you. impressive my second story johnny depp wins defamation case against former wife amber heard that is from abc and just a heads up before we jump into this it will detail instances of domestic violence if you would prefer to skip this part of the podcast fast forward about 4 minutes so In case you missed it, we're almost sure that none of you did though. Johnny Depp won that defamation case after a jury made up of five men and two women found that a piece that Amber Heard wrote or had published under her name in 2018 was defamatory.
1: Yeah, so Depp was suing because in that piece published in the Washington Post, Amber Heard had referred to herself as representing domestic abuse by stating that I, and I quote, witnessed how institutions protect men accused of abuse. Now, as you said, Mish, the seven-member jury found in favour of Depp after a six-week trial that became toxic social media fought out and was televised globally. Interestingly, the jury also did find in one case in favour of Amber Heard, who did say she was defamed by Johnny Depp's lawyer when he called her abuse allegations a hoax. But in the grand scheme of things, Johnny Depp was awarded well over US $10 million and jury members found Amber Heard should receive about two. So, Mm. I mean, I think that really says it all.
0: Yeah. Following the jury's decision, both parties took to Instagram to express their feelings. Amber Heard wrote this, The disappointment I feel today is beyond words. I'm heartbroken that the mountain of evidence still was not enough to stand up to the disproportionate power, influence and sway of my ex-husband. Depp wrote on his Instagram, false, very serious and criminal allegations were levied at me via the media, which triggered an endless barrage of hate content, although no charges were ever brought against me. It had already traveled around the world twice within a nanosecond and it had a seismic impact on my life and my career. Now, no matter what you think of this case, let's put that to the side for a second. This was not a case to determine Who behaved worse in the marriage? It was not a case to determine who is the biggest star or who is more likable. It was a case that was designed to determine was Amber Heard defamatory in saying that she was a figure representing domestic abuse, and it's very interesting that a jury found in favour of Johnny because we already had a UK judge find that twelve out of fourteen of her allegations were substantially true. We had text evidence we had recordings we had it was overwhelming witnesses come forward and attest to the fact they saw bruises on her face they saw chunks of hair missing from her head we had so so much there regardless of what you think about Amber Heard's actions towards her ex-husband we know that witnesses and text messages and recordings all painted a picture of what Amber Heard went through it's super interesting to me that she now still has to pay Johnny Depp $10 million.
1: Yeah, and I think for people listening, it's like so pertinent to understand that in this case, all the jury had to think was that I believe Amber Heard, in one instance that she says she was abused. Just one when she had countless pieces of evidence. That's all this was really about because the minute they could prove that they had the defense of truth and she could say that she represented a figure of domestic abuse. Mm. As Jessica Winter wrote for The New Yorker this week, she lost despite vile text messages from Depp spinning out violent fantasies of rape and murder. She lost despite photograph after photograph of cuts, bruises and swelling. She lost despite audio recordings of Depp verbally abusing her. She lost despite her sister, multiple friends and making up artist and a couples counsellor attesting to seeing her injuries. I think this speaks a lot to what happens when you've got a jury case in the US compared to a judge-led case in the UK. As you said Mish, in the UK you had one judge determining what this all looked like. In the US you had not only a seven-member jury made up of five men but you also had it televised globally and social media commentary on TikTok that crossed over 19 billion views. Mm. Like this will be a case that will be unpacked And the implications of this case will be unpacked for decades to come. What it meant both to have a jury, what it meant for it to be televised and what the social media commentary actually did to this verdict.
0: My third story, The Bachelors, Lockie and Irina just got engaged and
1: yes, for real this time. That is from Pedestrian TV. Cute. So the couple who met on season eight of the show are engaged. I always love a bachelor engagement. I always love proving that the show works. Yeah, that's fair. I don't feel a heap anymore about bachelor couples. I barely watched this season as well from memory, but like it's cute. Yeah, I don't mind it. That's okay. (laughs) He told Who magazine that he proposed during a hike in the Grampians. He said, Irina was standing in front of the waterfall for what she thought was a photo when I got down on my knee and asked her to marry me. It was absolutely Perfect. Now, the reason that pedestrian wrote in their headline that it was, and I quote for real this time, is because there's been a couple of instances (laughs) where people have thought they were already engaged. The first case was from last year, I think. Lockie posted a photo with Irina and it looked like she had a hunk of a ring on her (laughs) ring finger but they just like weren't engaged. (laughs) And the year before that, and this is probably more compelling, there was another engagement rumour. So in 2020, they were holidaying in Rottnest Island just off the coast of Perth, and they uploaded a photo from that holiday. (laughs) Then, as spotted by the So Dramatic podcast, the official Rottnest Island Instagram (laughs) account commented, congratulations on your engagement. That's one Lockie Quokka. (laughs) I love
3: that. (laughs)
1: So I'm like... In that case, have they gone to a restaurant, pretended they're engaged to get a free bottle of champagne? Oh, my God, you're right. That's the only (gasps) thing I can think of.
0: (laughs) Because how else is that happening? How else is it like an official tourism Instagram page backing themselves to say they're engaged?
1: I reckon they've pretended like like
0: we've all done. <laughs> oh, if that's the case, power fucking to you. The number of times they've been like, special occasion, I'm like, yes, it's Mitch's birthday. Yeah,
1: I reckon power to you as well.
0: <laughs> My fourth story, Shakira and PK end their 11-year relationship amid reported cheating allegations. That is from 7 News. Some context, Algal Shakira met her professional soccer playing husband about 12 years ago they've been together for 11 years they have two children together late last week spanish media was a buzz with unconfirmed reports rumors We love those <laughs> rumors, whatever you want to call them that pk had been caught in bed with another woman. Now, this then made its way onto TikTok. A bunch of Spanish content creators were like, why is nobody speaking about this around the world? This is huge news locally. It hasn't really made it into English-speaking media yet. Because of those TikToks, it made it into the media. And then Zara, the couple released a statement. They
1: did. They said, we regret to confirm that we are separating. For the well-being of our children, who are our highest priority, we ask that you respect our privacy. Now... This isn't the only scandal to rock the couple recently. Shakira is actually facing a potential court trial on fraud charges. Now, Spanish prosecutors have accused her of failing to pay. 21 million dollars in taxes between 2012 and
2: 2014 i'm sorry <laughs> that is just a ridiculous amount of tax you haven't paid Twenty-one million. Oh no shakira i appreciate it isn't it <laughs> guilty but that
1: is just so much money to not pay
0: <laughs> what the hell naughty <laughs> it's it's a little bit naughty yeah. from shakira in happier news perhaps following this split announcement Apparently, Shakira went on a following rampage in the days after her split was announced. She followed Kelly Slater, Henry Cavill, Chris Evans, and Jason Momoa.
2: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I love that from her. Oh, that
1: is pretty good. I do appreciate that. I mean, they are the men. Is Kelly Slater it? I'm not sure. Who would you pick? you got Kelly Slater, Henry Cavill.
0: Jason
2: Momoa.
1: You'd pick Jason
0: Momoa? You
2: would. I think...
1: (laughs) I'm going
0: Henry Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill's a bit of me. He is a hottie. Yeah. yeah. Henry Cavill's a big hottie. Anyway, power to you,
1: Shakira. Yeah, I'm surprised Miles Teller wasn't on that list as well. (laughs) Yes, so true. Miles Teller is
0: extremely hot. My fifth story. Has Tammy Hembrow split from her fiancé Matt Poole? Speculation couple have parted ways and appear to be living
1: separately just days before the birth of their daughter, That is from the Daily Mail. I mean, not like the Daily Mail to put the whole story in the headline. So now we basically have (laughs) nothing to talk about. This is big though and surprising. Yeah, hugely so. I mean, Tammy Hembrough's on my radar. I feel like she must simply be on everyone's radar, right? And we knew that she had that very high profile split from her ex-race. And it was one of those things where she'd met someone else and was having a baby. And I feel like people were like really stoked about that. Like it's nice to see somebody who's gone through something so publicly, find a new way for themselves and find a new life. So if this is the truth a week out from the birth, gosh, that's got to be
0: traumatic. Pretty crazy if that's true. And we need to say, now this hasn't been confirmed, but we do have a few things that are pointing towards perhaps it being the case that Matt and Tammy have split. So first, some rumors popped up in Facebook groups. They were kind of swirling around for a little bit. And then from that, people were kind of flocking to Matt Poole's Instagram comments and essentially being like, where are you? We barely see you anymore. We hear that you and Tammy have split. And his response I understand that he was trying to respond out of frustration maybe and trying to vent towards these people in his comments but if anything his reply to some people stirred up even more controversy. He wrote this to one of his followers, you have zero idea what myself and Tammy are going through nor do you know or need to know what is happening in our relationship. He goes on to say a bunch of things like you don't see everything on Instagram, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you have no idea about essentially he's finished with, keep your opinions on our relationship to yourself. I never asked for it, nor do I care to hear it. Have some respect. I think it's the line where he wrote, you have zero idea what we are going through, nor do you know or need to know what is happening with our relationship. I think that's kind of a case of where there's smoke, there's fire. Surely, if you're together, you respond to these comments and go, What the fuck, guys? Like, what's the issue? Where did this come from? We're so happy. Like, what what are you talking about? I'm with her right now. Everything's fine.
1: Yeah, I guess from an outsider's perspective, all you can hope is that it's not particularly stressful at least for her going into a birth Mm. Like that's all you can hope for. But I agree with you, there might be something going on here. So I would hazard a guess now that it's making news that perhaps they will have to acknowledge it at some point.
0: Yeah, and maybe that will be once the baby's already here. I mean, she has 15 million followers, Tammy Hembrow. She is our biggest influencer by far. So I just hope she's doing all right. It'd be very, very stressful. My sixth story, Mariah Carey sued for $20 million over All I Want for Christmas Is You. That is from Pitchfork.
1: Alrighty, so Mariah Carey is somehow being sued for upwards of $20 million in damages over her massive holiday hit, All I Want for Christmas is You, so what is going on? Well, (laughs) so glad you asked. According to the complaint, New Orleans songwriter Andy Stone alleged he co-wrote a song with the same title five years prior to Carey's release. Stone's song was recorded by his country pop band, Vince Vance and the Valiants and was released in 1989. Carity's single was released in 1994.
0: I have questions for you.
1: I have so many questions.
2: Why now? Were the lyrics the same? No, or was it literally just the, the title? The title. And oh, a, my. Is that a revolutionary enough title for a
1: song for you to come chasing 28 years later? Yeah, <laughs> Matt. <Humor. laughs> I have so many questions as
0: well. Like, what were you doing for the last, like, 30 years that this was the biggest celebrity Christmas song, maybe biggest Christmas song full stop. Isn't this still the song that gets the most downloads on Spotify every year, like yeah. continually? Mm. What has taken Andy Stone this long to come out about it?
1: I wonder. I mean, we did a segment recently on Ed Sheeran talking about this stuff, how, you know, the industry is just ripe for a pickin when it comes for copyright claims. And I wonder if there's actually like some lawyer out there who's – seeking these cases out, like, yeah. is there a song that has the same name as one of the highest grossing songs of the year and then contacting that artist, filing a complaint with them and going about it, like, that way? You're on it today. You're, you're really smart. coming out.
0: You're coming <laughs> out with all the smart <laughs> theories. do <Don't> embarrass me. we <laughs> <right laughs> <and laughs> We're making up for you, making her feel really embarrassed. Right yeah. <laughs> you're really on it today. I'm really loving everything you say. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm just <laughs> suggesting
1: it's reverse engineered, that's
0: all. Can I also raise... Even if they've got the same title, surely there are a million songs out there that have the same title. Why is that relevant? Like I swear to God there would be multiple songs called Adore You or like Strip That Down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A billion streams. (laughs) Uh, I reckon that's all we've got. Is that all you've got?
0: (laughs) Yes. Thanks, guys.
2: Thank you, Next Bitch.
0: All right, guys, as you may remember, some of our most popular segments on this show have been answering listener questions like broad philosophical life questions. Also some nitty gritty questions, Zara, which forced us to create a whole segment around it. It's called questions in a glass jar. We have filled this glass jar to my right, Annabelle, Mm -hmm. with a bunch of questions, not just from the shameless office, but listeners as well have also submitted a lot of these. So you are going to rummage through them. We yes. don't know what question we're going to answer. We might get through one. We might get through three. We're just going to see what
2: happens. All right. There are a few Annabelle handwritten questions in here. <laughs> I'm hoping for one of those. All right. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. I'm scared. I always get nervous about these. Oh, it's not handwritten. Oh. I can see that. Ooh. When did you last yell at someone? Why wow. did you later grow to regret it? What an interesting question. Is that a
1: listener submitted one? I think it That might be. must be a listener submitted one.
0: I think we'll go through this one quite quickly because I don't think it will take up the entire rest of the episode. Last time I yelled at someone was probably Mitch, probably in an
1: argument. I don't – want to be like Pollyanna here, but I don't think I yell. <laughs> you cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would – I cry – I go quieter rather than – louder I mean I've spoken about this on the podcast before you know like an inability to to try and get angry at things and (laughs) needing to try and get more angry and I I do feel like anger and yelling go hand in hand right whereas if you just don't get angry you just don't yell you just (laughs) crawl up into a ball and cry
0: (laughs) it's actually struck me as you were speaking it wasn't Mitch it was my older sister Claire who I last we were in my mum's living room and we had a disagreement over a phrase and as sisters do It escalated and I found myself yelling at her across the room. How do you feel after you yell? I do like a bit of, like, I'm quite passionate. So if I disagree or I feel like I'm in conflict with someone, I tend to raise my voice. Not a ridiculous amount, not to the point where it's like screaming at them. I find that really off-putting.
1: Did the decibels go up a touch? Sure. Yes, I get louder. So you don't yell. My parents might be listening to this thinking maybe back in the day when I was a teenager I might have raised my voice. But I I cannot remember the last time I raised my voice and maybe the last – five six seven years at least like my adult life. Love that. Yeah do
0: we? <laughs> yeah I, well I kind of do I think it's like very measured I mean maybe you feel a lot of pent-up
1: frustration. Oh, you know. <laughs> I mean they're always these questions are always a bit confronting. Yeah no I actually am really intrigued because would people rather be a yeller or not like do you feel like you get more out when you yell or do you feel like you get less out? I feel like it's a massive
0: release
2: when was the last time you yelled Annabelle? I don't remember, and this isn't, like, an answer to this specific question, but I yell a lot when I'm, like, in a social setting, just happy, like, Oh, ah! oh, <laughs> oh
1: we forgot about happy
0: yelling. Yeah. I happy yell every fucking day. <laughs> All right,
2: next question. Next question. Come on, handwritten.
1: <laughs> okay. Are you judgmental? Oh,
2: oh that's a great
1: yes. one. God. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, I wish I was less judgmental. I'm
0: massively judgmental, I think. I think it would be something that I could work on for sure. I am kind of... Quite like, I mean, we're all critical thinkers here, right? I think that's why we have a job on a pop culture analysis podcast. Like, we're taught to critically analyze things. So, I do find myself in general life thinking, why? Like, why did that person do that? How did they come to be that way or do that thing or say that thing, which I really disagree with? I'm not judgmental about mean things like I don't look at people's outfits or I don't look at people's appearance or I don't hear people's voices and go oh god they're so annoying or I don't like this it's more behavioral am I judgmental on people's behavior and the way they carry themselves like things with politeness I'm very judgmental on people who are not polite
1: because manners cost nothing Yes. I think we're judgmental at similar things. We've probably egged ourselves on over the the years. I totally agree with you. I I couldn't care less, like, again, like what people are wearing or what they look like. But it is definitely decisions people make in their own lives that I probably could be a little bit less judgmental about. But then just as equally, sometimes I think in in the same vein when we had that conversation about gossip maybe a year or two ago. We had a conversation on Mike about, like, gossip has always been branded as this thing that's really mean and bitchy but is there sort of sexist layers to those conversations and are people often bonded through gossiping and talking about people? Is that how we form connections? In a similar vein, I I think about judgment. It's like, is this a way for me to create standards about people? And maybe the word judgment has connotations of stuff that's like pretty bad. And yes, maybe I could be a little less judgmental or maybe not make snap judgments very quickly. But I do want standards. Like I want to be able to look at behaviour and say, you know what, I don't stand by that. And it's quite funny because you and I are quite similar in this way and I feel like our partners are quite similar in their way, which Mm. is very often Mitch and Ollie will say to us, guys, like you're so judgmental or like guys just (laughs) like that person. And it's like it's not that we don't like people. I would say that I like most people but it's like I I do have a high bar for people and I want a high bar for people whereas they will be like, great guy. <laughs>
0: no, yeah. yeah you we'll know do this thing. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny where
1: we'll be like, why did they do this? Or why did they
0: say this? Or like, what were they thinking? And they'll go, oh, but they're like, they're really lovely. And like, they'll instinctively point out something really great about that person. I'm like, this is why you're in our lives. <laughs>
1: and it's a good way to be. But then just as equally, I like how I am too. I just need a balance of both of those things. Well, that's why I really dislike that
0: saying, small minds discuss people, because yeah. I just flatly refuse to believe that. People are basically life like also how, people are ideas like people, if we can because yeah.
1: what is the saying like small minds discuss people medium brains discuss events big brains discuss ideas or something i've fucked it up but yeah. it's something to do with that people are ideas
0: and i don't think you can pull those things apart like yeah. what do you mean you're discussing ideas without discussing people isn't (laughs) that how we ground that like go have a fucking field day discussing just these amorphous ideas I'd prefer to talk about actual real life events or real life people that are happening or that I'm meeting right now so yes I'm judgmental do I plan on changing I think I could pull it back every now and then when it's like I'm probably just burrowing down this judgmental hole when it would be better to stand back and go that person's the way they are
1: and that's okay, that's their life. Well, it's good to be reminded from time to time that you don't have to knee-jerk and to take time with your judgment. Mm. I think the problem with judgment and being judgmental is being too quick to it. But if you have time to unpack something and you still get to the end of that thought process and think, nah, I still think what I think, then I think that's okay. Mm. And I will always maintain that sending your best friend, which I do
0: this to Zara like every day, sending them something and going, "Is this a me thing? Am I being like grouchy? Am I being annoying?" And them coming back to you be like, "Yes, you're being," <laughs> which she did to me literally
1: yesterday. is a great I, thing. I didn't say yes, you're being grouchy. I said, "Ha ha, I don't have a problem with this."
2: <laughs> That's truth from Zara, <laughs> not <laughs> harmony. <laughs> yeah, that is truth, not harmony. But we're all better for it. Annabella, you judgmental? I think I am. But it's kind of like a slow process in my mind. I think when you're like an – I'd call myself an observant person and an overthinker. Mm. You can't not be judgmental because I'm like forming judgments in my mind about people. But it's not necessarily mean, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think think it's nasty. I think it's
0: more just critical analysis.
1: One thing I would say just to round this out though is I do wonder if I was like an outside observer of my own life, if I would be judgmental about decisions that I've made. Like – do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Exactly. I'm and judgmental of myself six months ago. Yeah, and that's why I think – the judgment can be a bit hypocritical from time to time because it's like you can, you would be judgmental about decisions you've made. So that's why I think it's important when it comes to being judgmental to give it time, to give your yeah. mind space to unpack it yeah. and then decide if it's something you really want to stick to. Absolutely. Guys, I think that's all we've got time for. I think it is. What a blast. I loved this episode. I mean, I love doing them all, but some more than others. And <laughs> <I> also,
0: I <laughs> Just to be truth versus. Truth versus. <laughs> oh what, what episode did you not enjoy doing, Zara Victoria. Oh, I don't know. Could she give us a I just a liked this one. Take that and run. I fucking I love the glass jar. Yeah. I love that is just like a bundle of
1: ASMR. ASMR. I just love not knowing where it's going to go. It's a lot of fun. It's a bit stressful. Guys, you know where to find us. We are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We are on TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. Michelle, how can people support the show? You can support the show by clicking follow, whether you're on Apple, Spotify,
0: or a completely other app. Following is how you help us out in the charts. If you're feeling
1: particularly generous, we'd also love a five-star review, but no pressure. No Uh. pressure. It's totally fine, guys. We will be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Bye!
0: Shameless Media